to the Lads Fantasy Football Podcast. With your hosts, Joel Bunkle and Cara Bieland. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Lads Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Joel. Corb, how are you doing today? Hey, doing well. Thanks, Joel. Week one, back, over, first round dusted. How are we feeling? Great. You know, it's amazing how just one week of action, suddenly all of the options for this podcast just exploded. So we've got some exciting content on the way, I'd, I'd like to hope. We've been cutting stuff out. Like, it's not all fitting in tonight. So... Uh, I think that's uh, it's very exciting. It was good to see. Uh, I don't know about you. I've got the Game Pass set up. Love watching all the games and seeing some of the replays in there. Some really good games this week, even just from a non-fantasy point of view. Just uh, watching, like, I think, what was one of your highlights games-wise? What did you enjoy? Uh, you know, I think, obviously, the Chiefs, great to see a really strong victory over the, over the Jags. Um, those are our boys doing well. Um, Pat Mahomes is a star as expected. Um, but you know, I think the big one that everyone was a bit shocked to see, uh, they definitely showed their cards this week. Uh, that was the Browns. Uh, they didn't look quite on it. Um, I mean, I think there weren't any players who had more than 12 points. Looks like maybe it was Mayfield who somehow squeezed out 12.4 points with three interceptions. But, um, Hey, I think I said last week that I had bought in on the hype. And still um, buying in on the hype. Where are we where are we, are we tempering our expectations a little bit here? No, no, no. Got to remember, don't panic. I think the Browns have still got more to do. Um, it, it is funny though. The biggest story of the game was probably OBJ's watch. It was like three hundred fifty thousand dollar watch he put on. Um, I don't know. Stop deflecting from the real topic here. Like this is against the Titans. This is not against like KC or the Rams or something like that. How does this happen? Like this this Browns team hyped through the whole offseason, preseason, leading up, and like we're talking about a watch here. Let's talk about the, the fact that they fucking got done by the Titans. Well, you know, I think I never liked Mayfield on the Sooners when he was in college. Uh, I always thought he was a bit of a crybaby. So it was kind of fun watching him in shock on the sideline um, after being dominated by the Titans of all teams. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think they've got, they've got some time to pick it out, pick it up. They've got, they know they, we know they have the stars on the team. Um, and I think it, it's going to turn around for them eventually, but hey, maybe the Titans were just underrated. I'll tell you who's not underrated. Yeah. Any non-surprises? Oh my God. Tell me about that one. <laughs> The fucking Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Like, is this uh, this is going to throw a spanner in the works this this year? They are, I think, almost legitimately tanking at this stage. Uh, at least they're doing it the right way. I saw some uh, some people analyzing their games, and you know how like you have a lot of analysts who give out the the pass fail marks A through F um, around teams, and some people are like oh, F, absolute trash. And then I saw a few analysts who were like A plus. If you tank, this is how you do it. You want people, you know, requesting out of the team after week one. Uh, you want to have absolutely no offensive pieces to go to whatsoever. Well, you know, it looked like the results of our draft could have predicted this for the Dolphins, right? You, you picked up on something. What was that? It was that we uh, literally, there's only two Miami <laughs> players in our whole league and that no one started. They were both on the bench. Um, you've got one of them, Kenyon Drake. And uh, I think Andy has the other one uh, in the young Balage. Um you expecting a lot of output from Drake this year? 
Well, um, I think we're talking about the waiver wire later, so um, let's just say he, he may end up there before next week. It's it's a fairly good fairly good up, I would have thought. You know, the joke going on every year seems to be, and usually it's Miami because they have been consistently bad recently, is could a top college team beat the Dolphins? Could right. Alabama or a Clemson come in and win and... I don't know. I think the answer is always these are pros. They're going to dominate college guys, but it is a joke. All right. What else have we got on to on the lineup? Well, it's a pretty big lineup for you this week. Um, we'll cover the latest news, headlines, and fantasy as we usually do, um, and we'll give a quick analysis of how things went down in, in week one. All the matchups, cover them off. Um, I think we're gonna do a bit of a deep dive. We've got a first listener question this week, um, which will come up, uh, and we'll have a look at some of. Uh, the research that we've done into that question and we've also got our standard look at the waiver wire coming up so reckon should we do some news yeah yeah i think it's about time let's do news this week's fantasy news all right our biggest news headlines of the week i'm just going to fire through some real quick so zeke got his contract six years he obviously started on the weekend julio got paid Goff got a four-year extension, had an absolute stinker afterwards. It was a bonanza in the $500 million week of signings in the NFL. One person who did not get paid was Melvin Gordon. Not surprised. Yeah, the holdout could be real there. Um, I don't think either party is that interested in coming back to it at the moment. But clearly, the biggest headline of the week, Antonio Brown. Have you seen the YouTube videos, Joel? Oh, which ones? There are there are many. Uh the one of for me, the highlight of him dancing around in the backyard by his pool, saying that he got released. Um, absolute classic. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, was a raider, wasn't a raider, and uh, all the memes came true, and now he's a pat. Well, you you can't. You, you must say he's gone to lengths to get out of Oakland, so that also put a, puts up a few red flags. If you can trust Antonio Brown, um, but can you trust New England? Is my question. I don't know. It's uh, it's always been an interesting one out there. There always seems to be getting their nose rubbed into the wrong type of shit. But um, basically, it's interesting to see that he's heading to New England. Um, it's a stacked offense now. Absolutely Gordon, stacked. Gordon, Edelman, James White in the backfield. And, a, Sony. and the GOAT, Tom Brady, throwing it out to all of them. So, I don't know. It'll be fun to watch, but... Not exciting for me as as a Chiefs supporter. The the feel like a bit of a conspiracy. It feels like it that way. You know, I think so. Um, and the other interesting bit to close off this initial headline list is um, there's been some whispers of that Gronk might be lurking somewhere and and feeling uneasy about his retirement status. So we'll have to see um, what other attention he decides to bring to himself in usual Gronk fashion. He's a little bit uh, he's a little bit out of shape though. I think they were saying it would take him about four or five weeks to to get back into match fitness if he decided to come back. But it hasn't stopped a, a good number of fantasy teams out there from picking him up. So keep an eye on him. Why why would he want to come back? Why do you think he wants to come back? I mean, he's got the Super Bowls. Uh, well, you know, he says he's feeling healthy. He's feeling pain free. The pain was one part of the reason why he decided to leave. Um, I think this is just a ploy so he didn't have to do a preseason. Either that or he's got some new like teeth whitening brand he's trying to promote. So, um, Some of the injuries that came out of week one, uh, the big one was Tyreek Hill. Uh, they're expecting him to miss multiple weeks uh, with a shoulder injury there. Um, so I suppose we have to look at the, uh, the effect of that on the team, uh, how that impacts uh, Sammy Watkins and Kelsey and their upside. 
um, and maybe they go to the passing game a little bit more. Yeah, I'm happy with that as a as a guy with who's got Kelsey on the squad. And, you know, I think that the Chiefs' offense, again, I, I can say no wrong about the Chiefs, obviously. But um, they're, they're going to find ways around it, and it, it's too bad. But hopefully it turns into just a few weeks rather than half a season. Uh, the next one on the list is Joe Mixon. He's a big RB1, a guy who was going, you know, early second round, even end of the first round in a lot of drafts. He's out with an ankle, um, but I know that means somebody's got to step up, and that's the veteran with the Bengals, Gio Bernard, who had a decent game. Yeah, he also catches the ball as well, so a little bit of uh, reception value there too. Uh, they're not sure how long Joe Mixon's injury is going to keep him out, um, so just something to keep an eye on if you're the uh, Joe Mixon owner. Um, and then other injuries that kind of came in through the weekend is Nick Foles um, for the Jags. Uh, Tevin Coleman um, at San Fran, that's got uh, interesting implications, especially saying uh, Breida didn't have like the best first game, but now the opportunities are going to be there. And um, it wasn't that Breida didn't get opportunities in the first week. It was more so that uh, he didn't make use of them uh, with his 15 carries for 36 yards. Um, and then the last injury that we've got on the list uh, is, is Darius Geis at uh, the, uh, the Redskins. Um, Tell us about what you reckon, uh, Corob, there for the who, who might come in and, and step up for him. That's a knee injury. It's still undetermined how long that might keep him out for. But um, what, what, do you, what else have we got in the backfield there? Well, we could see the return of Adrian Peterson to fantasy value. Um, He's certainly trending in the uh, transactions tab, right? Definitely. I guess the interesting thing, though, is that he was healthy last week, but wasn't on the roster list uh, they subbed in some guy for special teams so i don't know that's not showing a lot of faith by the coaching staff but hey it, the opportunities opened up an injury means you bring in that extra back and, and that's going to be adrian peterson so we'll have to see how that turns out but chris thompson's probably going to be the, the greater benefactor he he fits in to the space that geese is leaving behind and he's more ball. like for like really isn't he compared to ap Absolutely, and that just makes more sense. So, we'll, but you know, we'll just have to see. Time will tell. Absolutely, will. I reckon it's about time we uh, we delve into some of our results from our matchups of the first week. Uh, some booming scores. So uh, let's get on with uh, this wrap and analysis. Results wrap and analysis. All right, now it's time to dive into the matchups. Week one is done and dusted, so let's run through really quickly who went off, who won their matchups, and who failed. Matchup number one, I'm looking at Andy versus Mark. So Andy came away with 102 points, but it wasn't enough to take down Mark with 108, almost 109. Pretty solid week for both guys. Over 100 points, we're happy with that. Um, but I think the boom players in this one, Andy with Mark Ingram. Uh, 22 points for him. But again, there's a question mark we're looking at here with this Baltimore versus Dolphins matchup, which is going to come up a lot more throughout this discussion. Is it a real 22? Right. 22 points for Ingram. That's a good result, but they were playing the Dolphins. So we'll see how it goes. There are a lot of guys who benefited from that matchup, so that'll more to come on that later. And then for Mark, Sammy Watkins. Unfortunately, he was on his bench, but he was the top-scoring player this week. Not one anyone would have really picked, I would say, going into it. Looking at Mark's lineup, I probably wouldn't have started Watkins either. But hey, that's fantasy for you. All right, some of these, the busts in this matchup. 
Andy with Aaron Jones only scoring 4.4 points. And then Mark um, with Devontae Adams only scoring 5.6 points. And Montgomery with just five. I think this is a case of pretty crappy matchup between the Bears and the Packers. No one came away with many points that game when it's 10 to 7. It wasn't an exciting game to watch. It was very much a preseason week five kind of vibe. Yeah, someone at the NFL was like, what the hell is going on? This isn't the vibe we wanted. But anyways, tough day for you guys. But hey, don't panic. These guys are going to come around. We know they're good for a reason. And just wait until next week. You never know. Our next matchup was uh, not as close as that game. It was Eric versus Tyler. And uh, Eric's romped it in here at uh, 134, almost 135 points to uh, Tyler's 87 this week. Um, players going boom for uh, for Eric's team. Uh, Marlon Mack with 25 points. And for Tyler, T.Y. Hilton, both a part of uh, the Colts' offense, which people were a little bit worried about going into the first round without Andrew Luck in the game. But uh, I'd say that Jacoby Brissett's been there for long enough now to, to kind of just slot right into that team. So Again, sometimes knee-jerk reactions to headlines in fantasy don't always mean that you should bench a guy who's been consistent for the last five years, right? 100%. Um, some of the busts in this game, uh, for Eric, it's probably Fournette with, uh, with the 9.4 points there against KC. And then the thing that really uh, hurt Tyler, I've been having a zero on the defense with, uh, with Cleveland doesn't help, um, but also playing a zero kicker who was out before the game. Oh, Joel, I think that means something. There's something we need oh, yeah. to chime We've in got on. A button on that. for that. Here we go. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. So, our uh, interception of the week, uh, a regular segment we're going to have, um, is going to Tyler this week for uh, starting a zero kicker. Um, Corb, you think it's a little bit harsh, but uh, it's probably the clear, the clear decision of the week that uh, it definitely doesn't help a team, is it? No, anytime you put a zero on the board, you're going to be on the short list for our interception of the week, that's for sure. But hey, fair enough. Sometimes calls aren't made until the last second around who's going to be a starter for a game or who's out with an injury. And being on a different time zone means, unless you're super dedicated, which we expect everyone to be, of course, unless you want to suffer the consequences next year. Um, it's just going to be too tough to make that switch at 1, 2 a.m. So tough luck, but that is definitely the interception of the Absolutely. So just uh, I know you want to be avoiding Malcolm Butler coming after you and uh, taking your ball away from you in the future. Um, the other uh, bus for uh, Tyler this week is uh, Joe Mixon went off injured, so a little bit of a different case there. But probably the real issue is that receiver with uh, – Mike Evans and Stefan Diggs are having poor weeks with a 3.8 and a 4.7, respectively. Yeah, next one we've got on the list is Sean versus Ben. Uh, another one which was a little bit lopsided, I would have to say. Uh, ben came away with this one, almost 143 points. And I think after further analysis, Joel, you said that if he had started Eckler, who was a, a difficult one for him with 36 points on the bench then he would have come away with the our top score. score of the week. Yeah, it would have been close to, I think it was over 170 points. Um, it would have been a tough start because he also uh, had Justin Jackson on the bench as well. And I don't think anyone really knew what was going to happen in that matchup there. No, but that's just the nature of fantasy. What can you do? He also had Lamar Jackson um, with 33 and a half points. Yeah, that's a Dolphins 33 and a half points. 
Yeah, let's make sure there's an asterisk there on that one. A lot of people were wondering, does this mean Lamar Jackson is legit now? Everyone was talking shit earlier in his career around whether he could actually come away as, as a legit NFL quarterback. And now people are saying he's good all of a sudden. But is he good or was it just too easy against the Dolphins? I mean, he had three running attempts for the game. Right. Is he all of a sudden uh, an under center quarterback? Is that his thing? I don't know. That's not what got him here. So it's uh, I mean, I think there there were some of those. You look at that scoreline for starters and it looks more like a college football scoreline than it does an NFL scoreline. Um, and I think there was just wide open receivers. So why would you bother running if you could just throw? Yeah. On the other end, for Sean, uh, he finished with 73 points, definitely on the lower end of the point totals for anyone this week and um he didn't really have any boomers so we're just going to jump on down to the bus um where for him he had brandon cooks and devonta freeman each with less than five points which is never something you want to see on your scoreboard Uh, with freeman it was a tough situation where atlanta was behind the whole game and they were a passy pass heavy offense anyways um I don't know. There's still a chance for Freeman, so don't yeah, panic. don't give up on him yet. I think it was just a game script uh, issue in that game, right? I think that covers most of it for this one. So what have we got next? Uh, What's well, our matchup? Uh, so Joel versus Corob. Um, Corob, you take the uh, you take all the trophies for the first game. A 10-point win for you this week, uh, 107 to 97. Um, some of the boom players uh, for my team, for Joel's team, is uh, probably Delvin Cook with 25. Um, and uh, Corb, your team was was very well rounded. I think didn't really have a standout, you know, boom player. This was everyone was almost in double digits, which is I think a really good fantasy outlook. Uh, Carson Wentz top scoring for you with uh, twenty five. Um, so good result there, I think. Um, for the bus side, um, a couple of busts on my side in um, Sony Michelle only getting the one point four points. Uh, a lot of change happening in that Patriots offense. Um, so, and I've got three pieces of the puzzle there in uh, in Gordon, Sony, Michelle, and AB. And who are they playing next week, Joel? Uh, the Dolphins. <laughs> so I might start all three, uh, and we'll see how we go. We'll hold you to that. Yeah, good. Um, I think uh, it is going to be an interesting kind of next month for the Pats, though, uh, in working out that with Edelman and uh, other pieces of the puzzle there as well, Burkhead. Um, the other bust uh, in my game, uh, Mike Williams with the Chargers, who who did leave the game injured and didn't return with 3.9 points. Uh, and for your team, I think probably the only uh, bust really there is Kerryon Johnson uh, with 7.2. Um, could have been much worse for you, I think. But um, Hey, you, this is one of those weeks where you sneak away with a win. My t- point total wouldn't have gotten me very far against a lot of other guys this week, but again... The next matchup that I think we're going to dive into was a bit more unfortunate in terms of point totals and happening to just get unlucky. So Pretty stiff. It's time for our game of the week. And our game of the week this week is Dyson versus Neil. What was the scoreline on that one, Carl? Well, Dyson snuck away with the win here at the last second with 153 points, which I believe was our top score of the week. So congrats to Dyson. Uh, it was looking like Neil was going to run away with this one. Um, 147 points is a great total. I think that was second highest. So, it, you know, just it's a heartbreaker. That That's a hard one to lose. 
any any other guys that you're playing this week and you come away with a W, but in this one it just wasn't enough. It's pretty stiff, isn't it? That's fantasy for you. Obviously a big one here for Dyson was CMC or Christian McCaffrey with 37 points. That's a great total. You you love to see 30 plus points from any player and you know, you you're happy to see that from Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you just look at his stats for this game and they're pretty remarkable, you know, like 19 rushing attempts uh, for 128 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, but where he's adding like the most value here, uh, especially in our half point PPR league, 11 targets for 10 catches. So he caught 10 of 11 for 81 yards as well. That's more than a lot of wide receivers, a lot of top wide receivers. That is uh, definitely better efficiency than a lot of wide receivers. Um, and, you know, like he's an exciting player to watch. So uh, massive boom. You'd be, you'd be very happy with that. Um, who, you know, Dyson would have picked him up at the third pick. Well, he's proved his value, that's for sure. He's looking like he's in mid-season form. So I would be a little nervous going up against him, whoever's got Dyson next week. A second one that Dyson came away on the plus side with was uh, Deshaun Watson, 31.7 points. There's been a lot of hype around Deshaun for this season, and I think Dyson drafted him third or fourth round, somewhere up there. Pretty early, yeah. Um, He was the second quarterback off the board, and, you know, he's proved it. Um, 31.7 points is no joke, and he had a great game. Uh, I don't think the Texans came away with the win, though, did they? Did they? No, they just fell short. It was an absolute cracker of a game. Um, but their their defense probably let them down on the last couple of plays uh, of the game before uh, a field goal from uh, my man Will Lutz sealed the result from 58 yards. Yeah, shocker. Anyways, two great starts from Dyson. Solid result for him. Um, Neil, he also saw some pretty positive results. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Joel? Yeah, look, I think um, you'd be pretty happy uh, with uh, Derek Henry scoring 28.4 points in week one, um, especially since that situation is not the strongest. And I think that's what I said last week because I like, love the play. I don't love the situation. Um, I mean, against Cleveland, it was a blowout in the end, that game, 43 to 13. I got the sense that the Browns' defense was going to be okay, but hey, maybe, maybe the hype just got a little bit too big. Right, absolutely. Um, and I don't know, Tennessee went in as the at least media underdogs, and so they were ready to take it to them, and they did. So Derrick Henry, big result there. If he can stay healthy this year, and if the Titans can look like they did against the Browns for the rest of the season, then they could be a contender. Absolutely, and I mean, I think uh, props to Neil here, like uh, Derrick Henry and Lev Bell. Um, what do you reckon that means? Le'Veon Bell didn't do bad either. Do you know what his... I'm not sure what his point total was for Neil. 20. 20 points in his first game for the Jets. We'll take it. There were plenty of guys who didn't get to 20 points, and that's one of the big reasons Neil finished with such a high point total. Um, But those are two running backs that, you know, people probably overlooked this season or weren't sure about, right? Uh, They weren't sure picks like a CMC for Dyson. Um, Maybe Neil knew something that we didn't know because those guys were falling down draft orders. He's taken them both. He's played them both, and I think that means... Touchdown! There it is. That's our uh, touchdown of the week, uh, our uh, coaching masterclass from Neil. They're um, definitely seeing things that uh, the rest of us weren't seeing there. Um, you'd like to hope that he can, they can keep up that production for the rest of the year? 
Well, I think one thing we mentioned last week was Neil's draft at RB specifically didn't have much depth. So if these guys can keep producing for him and stay healthy, then he could be in a really good spot. 100%. Because I think that like really the uh, the thing with these guys is that we were really just not sure where they were, where they were going to be, how good they were going to be, whether they were completely going to bust. Um, especially Derek Henry, I think, was a fair bit of doubt over there. So um, it'll be interesting to see if these guys can back it up going forward. That being said, week one, long season to go. You never know, but definitely not anything to panic over, that's for sure. That's the theme. Don't panic. Don't feel like you have to be cutting guys straight away. Uh, the, the game script just might not have gone their way in the in the first week. So um, if you've got a hunch on someone, um, the worst thing you can do is drop them and then someone else pick them up and then they go boom in the, in the next few weeks. So I think that about wraps up our game recaps and analysis for this week. Um, a great set of games to kick us off for the season. It is time for our listener question of the week, and it comes from Mark. Uh, thanks for the uh, sending in the question, Mark. We're going to uh, we're going to cut now and uh, see what you've asked us this week. Yeah, good day, Joe and Car. Uh, just wanted to say I love the podcast. Really uh, enjoying listening to it each week. Just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, a good player in a shit team, like a Kenyon Drake at Miami, or like a third string or um, low end second string at a good team like KC, where you know you know, get 50 touchdowns. Just wanted to see what how, what you guys value and uh, whether you go for uh, someone at a high octane offense or just still go for the good player. Cheers, boys, and uh, keep up that good work. Uh, every fantasy owner's quandary taking. Uh Top-level players on poor offenses versus secondary players on the uh, on the top-flight offenses. What are you What are you thinking about this, Carb? Well, before I give my thoughts, first of all, thanks, Joel, for taking a deep dive and doing a bit of an analysis here. That's going to be the theme of this section moving forward, where we see an opportunity or we get a question. We'll take a look at the numbers, but we'll also just give you our general anecdotal thoughts. So, yes, anecdotally, it's... It's a tough quandary, you know? It's something every fantasy owner has to consider, um, and it can be the choice between whether you start or sit a player week on week. Um, but I think if you're, if you're going to do a logical analysis in the way that you did, Joel, um, there's a few key factors you should be using as a part of your logic for making that decision. So what were the, the main ones, Joel, that you found? How did you do your analysis? Yeah, so I looked at um, a lot of data from last year for wide receivers and for running backs. Uh, I compared uh, the top 10 offenses to the bottom 10 offenses in both positions. I looked at the points per game uh, total for their first and second string, um, uh, which gives like a good, like pretty broad analysis to start with, but doesn't really tell us anything that you couldn't have already guessed. I mean, like the first outcome for a running back is that on average, a running back one on a good offense is much better than a running back one on a poor offense. I think we probably all could have guessed that much. Yeah, definitely. Um, where it gets interesting, and I think some of the, the things that you want to consider is whether the situation at that team is a timeshare situation between multiple players or it's a workhorse situation. That seems to be a pretty key factor. So how did you define those two things? What were the kind of determining qualities that made someone a, a workhorse or a, a timeshare? Yeah, I mean, I just took a, a pretty basic approach to the workhorse as someone who was, who was seeing more, more than 65% 
of the opportunities on offense. Um, that could probably even be like a little bit higher, but um, you know, for a lot of the uh, workhorse type running backs, um, they're seeing and wide receivers, they're seeing at least that kind of production. Um, some good examples uh, on offense in in wide receiver land uh, were people. Uh, like Michael Thomas or even last year, uh, T.Y. Hilton at the Colts. Uh, for running backs, you know, it was very much um, Kareem Hunt when he was at the Chiefs, uh, but also Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, um, these guys who were seeing massive chunks of, of game time and, and putting up the points to match it. Um, so I suppose those were kind of like our, our two basic definitions. And there was a couple interesting outcomes um, that we had from it. So I suppose starting with uh, wide receiver specifically is that what we found with the bottom 10 offenses is that for wide receiver, pretty much all of those offenses were in timeshare arrangements. There was not a workhorse on the bottom 10 offenses. Uh, yeah, the bottom 10 offenses last year. Um, is that something you find surprising? You know, not really. <laughs> it's it's a reason these teams are on the bottom 10. I don't know. I think it shows you that having a top wide receiver is something that isn't totally common. Um, and so when you're making those decisions in your draft, a little too late now to, to be changing up your strategy, but remembering that, you know, those top wide receivers are always going to be found on, on a top production offense. So for our yeah, worst offenses and receivers, we're talking about players last year like Kendrick Bourne, Kenny Stills, Kenny Golladay, Corey Davis, uh, Josh Doxson at the Redskins. Um, they're barely fantasy-relevant players. Yeah, all mediocre. All guys where if you're in a deeper league, perhaps they'd be in a flex role occasionally, rolling the dice to see if maybe they'll have a good matchup or, or get lucky on the day, but... That makes sense to me. I think something that's worth pointing out here is this is averaged out over an entire season. So, like, there's no reason that these players will have one or two really big boom games for the year, but you're not going to be able to rely on these guys week in, week out. You know, this is these kind of receivers are the situations where they get, you know, three targets in a game and they peel off run, run for 85 yards uh, and a touchdown. Um, but you're not going to be playing that player every week. Makes sense. So yeah, stick with your wide receiver twos even for a top offense or, or wide receiver one for sure on a top offense. Absolutely. And I think um, the situation you want to try and get with your wide receivers is a timeshare situation. So you, you want to try and avoid the teams that have a really dominant wide receiver like a DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas type scenario. They are obviously, uh, you know, were some of the top wide receivers off our draft board this year. Um, and you want to look for other opportunities. Um, some good examples from last year um, would be the Chargers with Kenyon Allen and Mike Williams or the Steelers with Antonio Brown and Juju. Um, this year, I think you're going to find value in the Dallas Cowboys with Cooper, Gallup and even Randall Cobb. Um, all three of those put up almost uh, between 14 and, and 20 uh, fantasy points in week one of this season. Uh, New England is obviously going to be another one with Edelman, uh, Gordon, Antonio Brown and Dorsett who went off in the first week. Um, and, you know, like prior history doesn't always guarantee what's happening. Like if you look at the Rams, they had a pretty poor uh, pretty poor game in terms of their receiving and throwing uh, with Jared Goff. And, you know, we all knew that that three-headed offense last year of Woods, Cup and Cooks 
um, was guaranteed to get some points. But I think like maybe that transitions going to teams like to Dallas and, and New England this year. And you know, you know, Cup was injured partway th- into the season for St. Louis, and I think injuries are something that have to be a part of the conversation too, right? When you're choosing, especially with RBs, between a situation where you've got a clear workhorse RB1 or a timeshare, there may be some scenarios where that RB2 on a team that has a clear workhorse running back um, could suddenly step up into a good position. So Absolutely. What um, else did you find about the running backs? Yeah, so into running backs, I think uh, an RB2 on a good offense in, in a timeshare situation is is a pretty good result, really. Like they're averaging about 10 fantasy points, 11 fantasy points last year. And that's about the same as an RB1 on a poor offense with timeshare. Um, so obviously there are RB1s who have like a workhorse load um on the offense a good example of that would be like a david johnson who's not on like the best offense but um can still get it done every week um but you know i think what you were saying then is kind of hits the nail on the hood i think you're gonna if if you're taking an rb2 in a good offense and the rb1 goes down then you're gonna see a bit of a bump in workload um, much more than i think you would see from uh, an rb2 on a poor offense team um, who's obviously not that good anyway uh, and can't push the case to be even in a timeshare role on a poor offense. Um, so I think that's probably some of the uh, the general advice there. I suppose just to recap that, um, you want to look at the situation of each team. Um, you want to see the makeup. You want to see if they're working in a, in a, in a timeshare arrangement between multiple players or whether they've got uh, a workhorse type arrangement uh, is probably the key points. Yeah, Mark, I hope that helped you out, and I hope it helps a few other people out. Yeah, if you've got any other questions like that, don't uh, don't hesitate to send them in. We'll have a look at the data and uh, report back to you. All right. Now that we're done with the deep dive, we're going to take a look at the waiver wire, see what type of movements happened prior to this week's game, and then maybe look at who we should be thinking about before we get into week two. The Wire. Who uh, was there any movement before round one post draft? Yeah, there were a few. Um, not too surprising, but uh, interesting to break down for everyone really quickly. Ben made a quick move at tight end. I think we called that early on in the draft. Uh, we mentioned that Olsen, his tight end, you know, didn't have the best day, but that's the one he picked up. He picked up Olsen and dropped Reed. I think Reed had a concussion issue and he was uh, unlikely to play anyway. Makes sense. Olsen was probably. Probably best available, but um, you know another one that was interesting was Sean made a, a pretty big move, picking up Waller, the tight end for Oakland, and trading out Royce Freeman. So Waller came away with a pretty good day with 10.6 points for Oakland. And hey, maybe that's a good sign, especially if AB's gone. Waller's going to get a few more targets. Yeah. I'd say that's a smart pickup from Sean. And uh, I mean, Royce Freeman didn't really set the. Uh, I mean, he's a clear. He's a clear two behind uh, Philip Lindsay there, I think. And just off the back of our deep dive type segment there is probably not so fantasy relevant at the moment. Yeah, if Philip Lindsay has any issues, if he's out for an injury reason or or anything, then Royce could pop back up onto someone's lineup. But, but not the best offense to be a part of. No, def- not totally. Um, another one, Joel, you made a quick move. You pulled in Seattle's defense uh, and dropped Larry Fitz. Larry Fitz actually had a decent game for the Cardinals. You know, Kyler found him for a touchdown and over 100 yards. He did. 
Um, but hey, I don't know. You said you needed the defense. Was that your logic? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Jacksonville playing against KC in the first week wasn't the ideal matchup. And I think Jacksonville ended up with negative four points. Uh, on the Great example of a situational choice. Absolutely. Um, well played. Um, and yeah, like Seattle, like actually surprised they were on the waiver because, um, you know, having picked up Clowney from the Texans, uh, really solid looking defense. Now kind of deciding whether I keep them and drop, drop the Jags. Well, I think now that we've gotten into uh, the swing of the season, there'll be a, a few more people making moves. Um, what players are you thinking we should be looking at grabbing? Well, there was a few standout performers who are still on the waivers. Um, the big one, Deshaun Jackson, who put up 31 points for Philly. Um, eight receptions, 154 yards for, uh, for two touchdowns. Pretty impressive outing, um, considering that Elshon Jeffrey put up about 20 points as well in that receiving core. Yeah, it worked out well. Um, Philadelphia's offense is looking powerful. Deshaun Jackson, a guy who's was pretty quiet down in Tampa Bay. Again, showing his cards early here in the season. We'll, we'll see if it pans out. What about Marquise Brown? What do, you, what do you think here, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, who were they playing again? Oh, was it? It was the Dolphins, yes. It was the yeah. Dolphins. Well, I mean, Marquise, he's arguably the number one wide receiver in Baltimore, so he's technically not a, a guy you would necessarily turn down to put on your squad. And 28 points is a great result. I'm not sure that's what he's going to be averaging for the rest of the season, that's for sure. But um, I don't know. I think he's someone definitely to be looking at grabbing. Are you concerned about target share for him? Like, is he getting, did he get a lot of that in his 28 points? No, no. He actually only had four receptions for those 147 yards. I think a couple long touchdowns. A couple big plays. So, I mean, look, you hope that your wide receiver can have a day like that any day. Um, that he'll come away with the big plays. Deshaun Jackson was a similar situation. He had a lot more targets and, and more receptions with eight for 154 yards, but uh, two of those touchdowns were 50-plus yards. So, again, it, maybe uh, it's hopefully something that will happen again in the future, but we'll see. Uh, third guy on the list, another tight end, which we know, again, are, it's a bit shallow in, in fantasy this year, the tight end position, TJ Hawkinson for Detroit. Pulled away with a pretty good game. 22 points, six receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty good for out of nowhere. If you're looking for a tight end or if you're feeling like your guy isn't up to the mark, take a look at Hawkinson. I suppose he got a little bit of uh, preference over so some of the receiving call there at Detroit in Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Golladay per se. Yeah, potentially. Either way, it's a good sign if you're looking for a tight end. Um, Last point I've got here, one that I chucked on the list, was Malcolm Brown. He's running back for the Rams. So tell us a bit about that. Interesting with Todd Gurley also in the lineup. Um, Malcolm still came away with 17 points. What was that about? Well, I think it was very opportune um, moments that he got his touches. I mean, he got 11 touches for the game, which is not bad. Uh, Pretty good for running back, too. Picked up 17 fantasy points, um, but only had 53 yards on two touchdowns, which um, probably says that he got the goal line work uh, more than anything. Um, but outscored uh, Gurley on the day. Um, I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a concern if you're uh, owning Gurley. Yeah, from what I've heard, they're going to be a little cautious with Gurley here at the beginning part of the season. You know, They don't want to take too many risks. 
he's another one of those expensive running backs. He but, did um, look very explosive, though. Like, yeah. for a first game back, like, he looks fit. Um, so maybe uh, you'll see that he's... Um, I mean, I think, though, what you take out of it with, with Brown is that even with Gurley in the team, he's got value at the moment at running back. They're on a high-powered offense. There's plenty, plenty of... Uh, you know, uh, touchdown and work to go around there. And if anything did happen to Gurley, it's looking at like Malcolm Brown is, uh, you know, in there pretty solidly at an RB2 over someone like uh, Darrell Henderson, uh, who was much touted preseason. Right. After what we went through in that last deep dive, I think Malcolm Brown's someone who's going to come off the board. Absolutely. So I think those four players, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Marquise Brown, TJ Hawkinson, and Malcolm Brown. Uh, definitely some players that you should be looking at grabbing off the waiver this week. Um, who else should we be keeping an eye on? Danny Amendola. You mentioned him earlier. He came from Miami and got traded to Detroit. But he came away with a pretty solid game. Um, how many targets did you say he had? I think it was a pretty high number. It was quite a high. I think it was close to 13 targets mm. on the game, um, which is... Uh, pretty impressive in that in that offense. Well, you know, he was a he was a weapon for the Patriots in years past. A guy who could slot in with Edelman. So, you know, we know what his potential is, but I don't think anyone might have expected it. So, hey, it, it could be a guy that you just keep an eye on. Maybe a speculative pickup. I'm not sure if he's ready to be uh, in a flex position or a starting lineup for anyone yet. But yeah, I mean, he put 19 fantasy points on the board, like a fairly solid result. He did get a touchdown, and I think he caught seven of the 13 for maybe 100 yards or so. Um, so I think some good, some good upside there. Yeah. Um, and like it, there is, like we just said with, with Hawkinson there, he's got Marvin Jones and Kenny Golladay on the uh, roster as well, but uh, they didn't see as much as uh, sort of Amendola did. Um, I think that just about wraps us up for this episode. Uh, that's the, uh, the end of the waiver wire. Um, make sure that if you've got questions, especially if you're, you're wondering, you know, who should I sit, who should I start, we can do some analysis into your upcoming uh, matchups in, in the coming weeks. Uh, if you've got a team structure question or even just any general fantasy questions around terminology or um, strategy, um, then don't hesitate uh, to let us know. We'll uh, do our best to solve the, uh, the problem. Uh, but in the meantime, we want you to be bold, be strong, and most importantly, be, be football. football.